Amen. Amen. I love hearing God's people worship. I love that we serve a mighty God. I'm thankful for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just want to give Him the praise and the glory and the honor. I know that He has done marvelous things in my life. And apart from Him, we can't do anything. And so what a, what a blessing it is to sing praises to, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to continue on this morning in our study of Ruth, the book of Ruth. If you want to turn to Ruth chapter 2, we're going to camp out there for just a little bit. You know, when things aren't looking good for the future, and we don't have many options or possibilities, it's easy for us to become overwhelmed and discouraged. You know, when things look bleak, I'm sure Ruth could relate. You know, for the next few minutes, just allow me um, to take our minds off of our current circumstances, whatever they might be. Just take our minds off of those and shift our focus toward God and His sovereignty, His rule, His authority in our life, rather than on us and our own problems. You know, our Lofton Hudson, he wrote a book which he titled, Grace is Not a Blue-Eyed Blonde. You know, and in his work, he seeks to remove the theological constructs, the notions that the grace of God, uh, that people have about the grace of God and, and put grace in the realm of everyday experience. See, often people hear theological words like grace, like faith, like love, and other ones, and they, they, they don't really get a full grasp, and they, they know very little about what those words actually look like. We talk about grace, we talk about faith, we talk about love. It might be a concept that we have, but can we actually see it? And my, I'm submitting to you today that we can actually see grace the grace of God. I remind you in our story as we pick it up here that, that Ruth was a penniless widow in a foreign land seeking to provide for herself and for her widowed mother-in-law. Her future was totally dependent on someone else showing her unmerited favor. She had no rights. She had no, no privilege I love this because her future was totally dependent on someone showing her grace and favor. And instead of giving up, she gives us the example of humility. She gives us the example of initiative. She gives us the example of faith as she seeks work, but also food to eke out an existence. Now please understand that we're dealing with real men and real women in real places in human history, locations that we could go to today, like the town of Bethlehem. We're talking about a historical record of people and their lives and what happened and how God intervened and how God was sovereign in their situation. And the events that we see in the book of Ruth, they're taking place in the fields in which David, or King David, shepherded sheep. It's the same fields that the angels came and announced the birth of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
It was in those fields around Bethlehem. That's where our story is taking place. Let's read in Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read down through 16. It's a little lengthy, but hang with me. Get your scripture out and follow along. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord, be, may the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. And thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She's been sitting in the house for a little while. Verse 8, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. And then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of her, your husband has been fully reported to me. And how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and you came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he served her roasted grain and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not insult her. Also you shall purposely pull out from her some grain from the bundles and leave it so that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Loving Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Father, for the truth that is found in your word. Father, you are truth, and your, your word is truth. And Father, we are so thankful for the way you have given it to us so that we can know you better. Father, I pray that in this moment, in this time, that we would see the sovereignty, your sovereignty in our lives, 
but also in this, this story, this historical story. And Father, that you would use it to, uh, for us to be encouraged and to see you at work all around us. Father, thank you for your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, the grace of God can be seen in this story of Ruth. I mean, these two women, they return to Bethlehem from Moab because of their poverty. They have nothing, and they had to glean grain in these barley fields. They go to to, to glean this grain, and in verse 2, we see that Ruth is ready to work. I love this. Verse 7 tells us that she worked steadily from the morning. You know, God has always made provision for the poor and the destitute. By telling farmers to, my version, be sloppy during harvest time. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 and 10, it says this. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. See, God's provision was to let others glean the field. And I I find it interesting that Ruth doesn't ask her mother-in-law. Okay, she's a foreigner. She followed her mother-in-law, made a commitment back to her people, the Israelites. But she doesn't ask her mother-in-law, hey, what have you got planned for me? How are you going to provide for me? What am I supposed to do now? Many questions that we would probably ask if we were in Ruth's situation. What are we going to do now? How are you going to provide for me? No, here's what happens. She says, Naomi, if it's okay with you, I would like to go out into the fields and pick up the leftover grain. Ruth is ready to work. She recognizes her situation. And and, and you say, well, why? Why Why is she saying this to Naomi? And I would tell you one word. She has respect for Naomi. She has respect for Naomi. Naomi had lived longer. Naomi had endured more. Naomi had earned the sense of rest and ease that younger people have not earned. And she's saying, you stay here and I will go reap for us. I will go pick and glean what I can. So that's what she says. She says, I will go. I will go there if it's all right with you. I will risk being ostracized as a foreigner. I will risk the potential of physical abuse in the field so that I might fulfill for you, Naomi, a obligation which I believe God has laid on me. <laughs> that when I said to you, do not urge me from following you. Where, you. where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will lodge, I will lodge. Where your people will be my people and your God will be my God. I knew, Naomi, that that was going to mean something. And this morning, part of what that means is I go to the fields and you get to stay. I mean, Naomi might have wished, I'm sure she did, for better circumstances for both herself and for Ruth. She probably was like, man, I wish I could have provided a nice house. I wish I could have provided you with electricity and water. I wish I could have provided you with the things that we needed. But she responds kindly in a short phrase. And she says, go, my daughter, go. 
So Ruth went out to glean fields for both of them, and she happened to go to the field of Boaz. And I want you to see this. God is at work even when we can't see it. God is at work even when we can't see it. We may not be able to see what God is doing. And most of the time, we can't. But understand, if you belong to him, that he is working things out for your good and for his glory. You know, John Piper, he refers to Boaz as a God-saturated man. A God-saturated man. He loves God. He loves his fellow man. He's wealthy. He's kind. And you know what? He's single. Wow. He's probably the most eligible bachelor in Bethlehem. And a relative of Elimelech. See, understand that Boaz has done his homework on this gal. He learned about Ruth, about what she did for Naomi, how she committed herself to him. And he gave kindnesses and he gave help to Ruth out in the field. And she received material blessings and other personal kindnesses from Boaz. See, from this we can see that the grace of God, we can see his grace in ordinary events in life. Those things that happen every day, we can see God's grace Because God's grace is not just a concept. It's not just an idea. God's grace is visible and practical. I mean, whenever you look at grace, it means the redemption of failure. The story begins with a disclosure of hope for Naomi's tragedy. In verse 1, it says, Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, I mean, the fact that Boaz was a kinsman of Naomi meant redemption for her. See, the the goel in Hebrew, the goel, it means redeemer. The redeemer. The kinsman-redeemer role in Mosaic law was the nearest relative was responsible The nearest relative was responsible for protecting the interests of needy members of that family. The orphans, the widows, and others of the extended family. The nearest relative was responsible for protecting them. They may protect them or provide an heir for a brother who had died. They may uh, redeem the land from a poor relative who sold off part of the land uh, outside the family. This kinsman redeemer would redeem a relative who'd been sold into slavery. This kinsman redeemer would also avenge the killing of a relative. But see, we need to understand that with God, no failure needs to be final. With God, no failure needs to be final. God can use our circumstances to get our attention. No tragedy is beyond God's redemption. And the story of Ruth helps us to see that grace is the redemption of failure. You know, in verse 3, we read that Ruth just happened. (laughs) She just happened to find herself in a field that belonged to Boaz. And the Hebrew reads this way. It says, she chanced a chance. She chanced a chance. 
You see, God orchestrates events in order to accomplish his purposes, even when we don't see it. She had no idea she was going into Boaz's field. She saw a field, she went to the field, and she chanced a chance. She went there to see if she could find favor. You see, God's invisible hand steered her to that particular field on that particular day. It's no accident that you're here today. God is behind the scenes orchestrating events so that he can take care of you and so that he can get the glory. You know, over in Matthew 23, it says this. It says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. 1 Peter 5.5 says, young men in the same way, submit yourselves to your elders and all of you clothe yourself in humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Ruth was ready to work. She got up that morning, she she was on a mission to find something to eat for her and Naomi. She went out in the field to glean. Talk about the humility. What she was going out to do was like going out to pick up aluminum cans so that you could recycle them so that you can barely get by. That's the level of living that she commits herself to. There's no prestige in this. She's not one of the routine harvesters. She's not one of the hired gleaners. She's not part of the employed group. She comes along when everyone else is gone, when they've already done their job, and she gleans. She ferrets out and picks up the bits and pieces that are left behind. She don't have a job. She's going out and making something happen. Notice the humility She's not standing around moaning, saying, Naomi, what are you going to do to take care of me? You brought me here. No, you committed yourself to Naomi. So you go out and work. Get after it. And that's exactly what she did. She's kind of like out there looking for aluminum cans so that she can get this big, huge plastic bag of them. And she'll be able to go home and tell her mother-in-law, Naomi, I had a good day. I had a good day. But listen, Ruth isn't afraid to work. She's not afraid to even do humble work. I'm not too good to flip burgers if I need to. When I get hungry enough, when I get desperate enough, I'll do whatever it takes. And you will too. See, this was Israel's welfare program, and it was a good one. It helped those who who could work to work for their food. And there's nothing wrong with using a welfare program. That's what they're there for. But shame on those who abuse it. I don't see anywhere in Scripture that God rewards lazy people. He seems to guide, to bless, to use, to give direction to those who are diligent in life's business. And Ruth has a great work ethic I mean, she was an early starter and a hard worker. Verse um, 7 says, she's been here all day. She came and has remained from morning until now. Verse 17 says, so she gleaned in the field until evening. She worked all day long. 
You know, Proverbs 31 talks about the virtuous woman. It says she does not eat the bread of idleness. I liked what Teddy Roosevelt said about this. He summed it up when he said, I am an average man, but I work harder at it than the average man. I think that's huge. Now, understand this. In a society that is preoccupied with our rights, the Word of God calls us to focus on privileges. Isn't her attitude wonderful and refreshing? She wants to go out to work. She's not, she's not, she's saying, I hope I'm, I'm going to try and find favor in someone's eyes. I'm going to try and, and, and find favor somewhere. She's not going out there based on her rights, few as they were as a foreigner in a foreign land without a husband. She's going out there in hope of finding favor. And the word is the same word that is used for the word grace. It's the same word that you have in Genesis 6-8 where it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. See, she's teaching us by her attitude and her actions that everything that God gives any of us and every opportunity that we have for obtaining what we need are undeserved mercies from the giver of everything that is good. None of us deserve the life that we have. None of us deserve to be saved for all eternity. Everything that we have is a gift from God. The breath that we breathe, the life that we have, the children that we raise, all of the things that we have are a gift from God. And when a man or a woman, especially when a young person believes that, that they understand that everything comes from him, and they have that written in the corner of their life, it will transform how they approach any task any day because they recognize it's a gift from Almighty God. See, everything that God gives us and every opportunity for obtaining what we need is undeserved expression of His favor. And in a society that's preoccupied with rights, the Word of God calls us to focus on our privilege as being part of the family of God. We have a God that loves us, that wants to take care of us. He's sovereign. He's our king. He's the ruler. He's the authority. Notice also the delivery of kindnesses. You know, any theological definition of grace usually emphasizes the unmerited favor of God. And we can actually see grace in the actions of Boaz toward Ruth. I mean, when Ruth gleaned in the field of, of Boaz, she discovered, he discovered her identity and he began to lavish his kindnesses on her. He cautioned his co-workers not to bother her. I love that. He's interceding for her. He says, I know she's there. Leave her alone. Let her do what she came to do. He provided water. When it's hot out here, go get a drink from the water that they draw. He even invited her to lunch a poor gleaner, to eat with him. And Boaz commanded the workmen to allow bundles to fall on purpose 
so that she would have an abundance. See, the kindnesses of Boaz, Boaz gives us examples of grace. Notice in, we're not there yet, but notice in verse 21 and 22, <laughs> Ruth, Ruth becomes a one-field woman. <laughs> See, I'm not going anywhere else. This guy's taking care of me. Isn't that the way it is when you have God as your father? I'm not going anywhere else. He's taking care of me. Little did she know that among the grain she would find a husband. (laughs) That he would make her a co-owner of that field. Wow. She went to find a little favor And look what she got instead. Instead of living on leftovers, Ruth became a friend of the Lord of the harvest who gave her generous gifts. See, God's grace is so amazing. Each day, each and every day, He gives kindnesses to all of humanity. To truly learn about grace, observe God's gracious favors And here's not the least, but it's a very big one. The inclusion of outsiders. See, the biblical idea of grace also involves God's inclusion. Inclusion of unworthy outsiders. I mean, Ruth was amazed over her acceptance by Boaz. But also by Naomi. You're willing to take me back to your people? You're willing to let me stay with you? And she expressed her amazement to Boaz in verse 10 when she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? She was known as Ruth the the Moabitess, the woman from Moab who formerly worshipped idols, a pagan. And she felt honored to be included with God's people. See, God's grace is so amazing to everyone because no one, no one deserves to be in God's family. No one. Being an outsider and being accepted on the inside constitutes the grace of God. You know, in Ephesians 2, 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that it is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. You can't buy it, you can't earn it, you can't do anything for it. It is a gift from God that all you can do is receive it. It's His grace. See, we don't need to explain grace by word studies or proverbial sayings. God's grace can be seen in everyday life. Look at Boaz's demonstration of grace and then multiply that by infinity. And then you might start to begin to understand the grace of God. See, our hearts, our hearts should be to only glean the corners of our Father's field rather than to take the whole harvest, leaving nothing for anyone else. Most of the time, that's the way we act. 
I'm going to take all the harvest because it's mine. Not even recognizing that it belongs to the Lord. So this week, as we think about grace, can we focus on loving our neighbors? You know, I I saw a lot of expressions of that this last week. Of people helping other people. Of people connecting the dots and saying, if you need this, go here. If you need that, this person has some. If you need to go there, go there. And, and, and really, people just taking care of each other. And I, I asked that question, can we focus on loving our neighbors? I mean, Jesus defined neighbor as the, in the story of the Good Samaritan. And this is the way he defined it, as anyone who has a need which I can meet. That's your neighbor. I mean, nobody can help everybody. But everybody can help somebody. Let's all be those first responders of God's grace and meet the needs of those around us. I mean, this week there's going to be people who need their refrigerator restocked. There's going to be people who need to go to the grocery store and you can, you can go and help them out with that. There's all kinds of needs out there. We've just got to be able to see our opportunity to be that first responder of God's grace. I mean, can you see in this picture a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us? I mean, Boaz is a type of Christ. Jesus is kind toward us. He's shown us favor. He protects us. He provides for us. And just as Boaz protected and provided for Ruth before they were married, so the Lord has done the same for us. We are the church, the bride of Christ. And listen, when Jesus is the host, when Jesus Christ is the host, No one goes away empty from the table. So I ask this question, do you trust God's purposes for your life even when things look bleak? Do you trust God's purposes for your life even when things look bleak? Are you working at the same time while you're you're watching Him do His work? We can't just sit back and wait for God. We pray as hard as we can and we work as hard as we can and somewhere in the middle he meets us. See, even when you are completely unaware of what is happening and even why something is happening, understand that God is guiding your decisions and your actions. (laughs) You see, it was God's providence. It was God's taking care of Ruth that led her to that field on that day. Ruth is working hard and God is constantly working hard behind what is seen, weaving his ways for your good and for his glory. But you see, our responsibility, our responsibility is to surrender to his sovereignty is to surrender ourselves to his authority, to, re- to surrender ourselves to his control. Have you surrendered yourself 
to God's sovereignty through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the book of Ruth. I thank you for this story that we have of these people. Father, who show us what it's like to to be in a tragic situation. Father, to not know what's coming next. To feel vulnerable and helpless. But Father, not without hope. Father, no failure needs to be final. Father, you are the one working through these circumstances. You are the one drawing us close to you. And Father, when we recognize that, when we see your grace, our response could only be to bow down and to surrender before you and say, Father, why am I finding such grace in you? Your word says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that we might have a relationship with you. So that we might be reconciled to you. And Father, we're thankful that we are reconciled to you through your son Jesus. Father, I pray that we would be those people who when the the tragedy strikes, that we run to help out. Father, that we would be like a bunch of Boazes going out and taking up the cause of those who have nothing. Helping them get their life together and back on track. Knowing the amount of grace that we have so generously received. May we also give generously because of your great love for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done. Guide us as we continue to seek you. In Jesus' name, amen.